0: Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like Insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the Gold Coast Sun show by fans for fans. I'm your host Shane, and let's start the show off with our Patreon sponsors. We'd like to thank Dale Snelling, Jack Stad, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Tom Kim, and Tim. You can join our Patreon donors by heading over to patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast and show your support there, or jump on to, jump on over to uh, Spotify, YouTube, Apple or Google Podcasts, or anywhere really that you can get your podcast from, and like, comment and subscribe. Well, now it's time for us to introduce the guest for tonight's show. And I'd like to thank the host of the Heat Room podcast, Tom Boswell. Thanks for joining me, Tom.
1: Hi, no, thanks so much for having me, mate. It's a uh, it's an honour. You do a, a terrific job on here, mate. So um, yeah, it's uh, fantastic to jump on and have a bit of a chat about footy.
0: Yeah, it's been a while since we last had you on the show. I think it was uh, draft night last year, or. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last year we had you briefly on the show. Uh, since then, you've been promoted to the sports editor at the Gold Coast Bulletin. How's that going, working out for you?
1: Yeah, yeah, good, mate. I um, I'm loving it. It's a bit more of a, a hands-on role with the um, production of the uh, the paper and a bit of man management about uh, how we operate things online and and um, kind of leading certain projects. And uh, it's been a fantastic transition. I've I've thankfully been able to stay writing a lot of the AFL and horse racing and stuff at the paper which um, is my main passion so uh, getting a bit of a balance for that means um, means I'm loving it at the moment a few few late nights uh, working which the the wife doesn't always like with a two-year-old daughter at home so uh, we find the balance here and there I'm sure a few people have heard olive in the background of some of my recordings so uh, it's all good fun mate
0: Oh, it's always fun trying to record from home. Uh, with the increase in the AFL in the last few weeks, really in Queensland, I'm sure your work has been cut out for you.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I've got um, many mates and um, family and friends who have kind of said similar. They say, "Well, you've got most of the competition up here. You must be flat out. You must be going every game." And it's uh, it's not actually the case, which is uh, which is good and bad, but. We've got um, we've got guys who file on all the different interstate teams. There are some journo's here, and um, they, they they do some work from um, from interstate filing off games and that kind of stuff as well, and in press conferences. So um, thankfully, um, I haven't had to spread myself too thin because um, it'd probably mean I do less Suns content. So even though they are here, it's pretty much business. So I sneak across to a couple of the games and and have a beer and watch the footy.
0: Well, it sounds like a bit of fun still. Do you still get to get along to some of these uh, press conferences?
1: Yeah, yeah, I duck, I duck in and out of them. I'm, I'm at less press conferences than I um, than I was probably at the start of the year, um, just with the, the changing media landscape and um, how we're operating now. So I'm putting pretty much 100% of my time into um, making sure that I'm chasing Sun's content that uh, no one else really has. And if you go into a press conference, there's a 100% chance that everyone else will already get it. And if you're asking people to um, to pay for your services, then they deserve better than um, something that everyone else has already got.
0: Yeah, that's certainly a good philosophy. Very similar to what Michael Whiting was doing last week. His uh, Patreon page was uh, more about writing his own individual content. And uh, essentially, that's what you're doing uh, just for the Gold Coast Bulletin.
1: Yeah, essentially. I mean, you've, you've got to put a, uh, a value on a product, and um, you've got to make it uh, appealing to the readers. So, um, yeah, that's the kind of the balance we're finding at the moment. It's actually been really enjoyable to to go down these avenues and and figure out w- what works best. Um, I did listen to uh, Fish last weekend. I know Fish quite well. We're good mates, and uh, done a few trips together. So, it's uh, it's a big uh, shoes to film coming on after him. He's a terrific fella, and Not only that, he's probably the best uh, Queensland football journalist we have, so no doubt that would have come across last week. There's no man who knows the Brisbane Lions and Suns more than he does, so always good to pick his brain.
0: Yeah, it was a great chat last week with uh, Fish Whiting. Uh, But this week, we've got a few things to discuss. Let's start off with some breaking news. Now, the AFL has just conceded the... Uh, well, they've announced the fixture after agreeing to allow players to to sign So we've got the next four rounds of the fixture out, Tom Now, as far as the Suns are concerned uh, Gold Coast played the Giants in round 9 on Sunday, August the 2nd At Metricon Stadium at 3.30pm We then follow up with a Thursday night game So that is four-day break Against St Kilda at eight ten PM. So that's two Thursday night games if you include this one. Uh, round eleven, the Suns are playing Essendon on a Wednesday night, August twelfth. Oh my god, that's actually my birthday. So that's a that's a good day for <laughs> reason to get along to the footy. I think even on the there you go, Hopefully even on the work employ. night. Yeah. Um. Probably still have to watch my alcohol intake because my job does require me to be sober. So. <laughs> I don't think I'll be having any beers that night, but I'll certainly be cheering on the Suns. And the last game from this fixture is Monday, August the 17th. Richmond pl- play the Gold Coast Suns at the Gabba. So we've got a Monday night game, t- uh, two Thursday night games, and a Sunday night game. And a Wednesday. Mm. so yeah,
1: Interesting mix there
0: yeah so we'll
1: we'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see on how they play it. I mean that doesn't leave a lot of time for recovery and they usually uh, you can pretty much pencil them pencil them in for most Sunday afternoons most fixtures can't you so obviously this Thursday is a bit different for them but um, they would have had their weeks pretty much planned out um, pretty routine over their time the last couple of years so to have a couple of a couple of short turnarounds will be different for them, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it.
0: It is. It's also interesting to see how they're going to handle this week's Thursday night game, a five-day break. It's, I think it's probably the shortest break the Suns have ever had in history between games. Um, and it's our first real shot at a primetime slot, a standalone uh, football match, um, not being broadcast by Seven nationwide, unfortunately. But it's certainly the talk of the town up here on the Gold Coast. What's the vibe like uh, from your readers and from the Gold Coast Bulletin as to the excitement around Thursday night footy? And does from your dealings with the club, are they excited about this? Do they feel like it's going to impact the, the crowds uh, in a positive or a negative way?
1: Uh, they, they haven't really mentioned the crowds and it's hard to really get a a read on what it would be like just because of the restrictions. So I guess we won't get a true indication uh, about what crowds could have looked like if it was uh, a normal scenario, but I, I think they're treating this as a, a real opportunity. Uh, they treat everything with a really positive mindset under Stewie Dew, and the the feedback has been incredible in the sense that they, they feel it's a real audition to to put the, put the another step forward and, and to show their wares, because if they can play really well against the Bulldogs the the ratings for the broadcast especially for the Suns has been up by about 50% so if they can show a, an incredible free-flowing game of footy that's exciting with the Rankins doing what he does then um, you'd have to think that it's a really good platform to them to say next year if they keep them the improvement we need more of these games uh, which is only going to help, help the actual club
0: Yeah it will I I was very hesitant when it was first came out. I thought the club has actively marketed in the past to have Saturday games um, and even the odd Sunday game because it it suits the family uh, demographic that they target. Uh, Because personally, I'm not a family person. I've got my wife, but we don't have kids or anything. So night games, that sort of thing is more my style, but... I know a lot of families that do attend Suns games, it's hard with the nights because it's too late for the kids. You can't have it during the middle of the day because kids have sporting events and birthdays and things like that. So the Twilight slot has sort of been made for the Suns. But Thursday night footy sort of throws that out because it's also in the middle of a working week, uh, a school night for kids, a work night for adults. It's going to be a very interesting look to how many people show up for the game. Now, I put the question out on Facebook during the week, and I got a lot of response of people saying they're going regardless, so it doesn't sound like it's going to impact as, as much as we initially thought. Yeah,
1: and, and, and there's some really good points you raised there, and um, I'm sure um, it would be hard for families because if it's kicking off so late, you're, you're getting home from work, trying to get the kids sorted and then trying to get to the game pack all their stuff and then get them home and into bed plus transport so it's it's a it's a really big ask especially considering uh, the transport isn't the best on the Gold Coast so completely understand that point of view Um, but I think the excitement just purely because it hasn't really happened before I think that's what's getting people over the line if this was to be a constant going forward I think there'd be more challenges along the lines of what you're saying. So if it became routine, then I think um, they would have to look at it more. But if you start turning down Thursday uh, night fixtures and then um, whatever else in primetime television slots, I don't think it's a good look for the club either. So uh, I think they've got to take the opportunity and then figure out how they best make it work in the future.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that, especially with the club pushing so hard this year to get their membership record I'm not sure if they've hit that yet but they're certainly pushing hard and from what I've been hearing we're getting a lot of interstate members signing up Um, Cal Toomey uh, Mitch Cleary Riley Beveridge from AFL exchange they've publicly come out and said that they've signed up and now that they're all based in Melbourne so they're getting on board just because they like the style of footy the Suns play and I guess playing in a prime time slot A Thursday night, a Friday night Is crucial to get those sort of members on board um, it's, we're, we're living in strange times With the hubs being based up here in Queensland I was working today And happened to drive past the Western Bulldogs Doing their main training session At Surface Paradise Football Club <laughs> It was a surreal thing Seeing a bunch, bunch of blokes Kicking the footy around in the middle of the day And I thought huh, that's weird that there's school kids out training for football because that's what I'm used to seeing there during the day. <laughs> but as I looked a bit closer, I realized, no, these blokes are full-on grown men. And uh, yeah, I and pulled
1: even, even funny that I bet you there was hardly anyone watching them.
0: Exactly right. Yeah, I pulled over and stopped and, and watched them and I was like, oh, these are the Bulldogs boys playing. Uh, so I watched them train for a bit. They looked a bit relaxed and casual, but I suppose that's probably normal for a team coming off a six-day break they're not going to push themselves so hard but with all the work the queensland government's doing uh to have these teams up here in queensland while the coronavirus stuff is going on in victoria and looks like sydney as well um do you think queensland deserves the right for the afl grand final if it gets to that stage
1: ah definitely yeah Uh, No doubt about that. Um, I'm pretty strong in my views of that. And it's not just a, I mean, (laughs) subconsciously it's a Queensland bias, but the fact that um, other governments have been so unwilling to help. um, I know the AFL 360 guys spoke last week about goodwill, and it was a good way to put it because Queensland has has literally bent over backwards to get these guys up here and and keep the competition running. Um, So I think they deserve to to be in it. The the GABA uh, holds, what, 40 42,000 people?
0: I think so, It might not yeah. actually
1: be an issue if the AFL grand finals are restricted on numbers anyway. Um, a lot of people are just assuming that we need the biggest stand um, because uh, to hold the, the maximum amount of people. So that might not actually be an argument because you know we might still be restricted on certain limitations on how many people can go into the actual grand final. So um, I definitely think the GABA should be among them, um, I think people overlooked Metricon too quickly. I know there's challenges, and everyone says it's a 25,000 to 30,000 seat stadium. But in saying that, uh, it's a newer stadium. It's got uh, better technology. It's got really good space for activations. Um, it's got better parking than the Gabba, and it's uh, it's also got the um, the ability to add extra seating behind where the uh, the, the sight screen is. So. Um, it's probably harder to do it there in terms of money invested, um, but either way, Queensland should definitely be in the conversation.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that's the case as well. And I, despite being a Gold Coast fan and probably biased towards Metricon Stadium, it is a better stadium to watch football at than what the Gabba is. The The Gabba's run down. It needs a lot of work to it. And if it's only a, a restricted crowd anyway... I think a, an AFL grand final being played at such a boutique stadium like Metricon would work really well. We've seen Metricon pull off some really good performances when we've had uh, concerts there. We've had um, even just Gold Coast Suns games, special events where they've had the fireworks. They've had uh, performers perform on stage at Metricon Stadium. It's really worked quite nicely. So I think it's definitely got to be in consideration. Okay, Tom. So we we've had you on the show before, but I don't think we've actually discussed some of these more personal moments about your connection with the Suns. What's one of your most memorable moments with the Suns?
1: Okay, well, I've I've got a couple. Is that okay?
0: Yeah, no, that's fine.
1: Okay, so my first is probably pure footy wise. Um, so I can't I can't remember. I think it was not last year, the year before that I actually. Um, I spent a weekend with the team travelling, so um, down to Melbourne, um, on the flight, down into the hotel, um, you know, and then just really getting a behind the scenes look at how they prepare for the games. So, you know, in the hotel, uh, going to team meetings, which is really interesting. Um, And that's for for both overall team and then also lines and and, uh, being in the room as they're dissecting. Uh, last minute videos and um, matchups and how they're going to play certain players and introducing certain debutants and uh, it was a, it was it was a fascinating insight and neither just being the um the pregame warm up the day before at a, uh, a footy oval and just chatting to the guys about certain things and then um, traveling on the team bus uh, listening to the uh, the music and having a chat to the guys and being in the change rooms pre-game and going out the field and that kind of stuff it's um. It was one of the most interesting things I've ever done, I reckon, because so many of us for so long always just, we wonder what, what is happening behind the closed doors, and we think we might know, but hearing the level of detail that goes on is um, was really fascinating to me.
0: Oh, that sounds really interesting. Um, so, what was one of your other ones
1: there? Uh, the you'll find this funny. So right. uh, the the food the food shops at Butchigan uh, Stadium. So you've got numerous outlets, and from the media box, I don't know if any of you guys have ever tried it. There's a donut. There's a donut place down there. I think it might be like a gluten.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know donut. the one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's sitting down, there and you can from the media box. I'm always looking down onto it, going, "Geez, that'd be nice." Uh, and and. Years gone by, we'd, uh, in the media box, you'd get uh, Tudor sandwiches and little triangles and stuff and it'd get you through a game, but they've upped that in recent times. But there was a around um, 21 or 22 game in the last few years where um, it was their last home game, I think it might be against, against Port, um, and they uh, brought up about 12 boxes of these donuts because they must have needed to get rid of them. <laughs> and you've never seen journalists flock like seagulls to anything so quickly, mate. It was uh, it was pretty funny. You don't say no to anything free in life. And those uh, those donuts uh, went down a treat. I think they might have been the highlight of the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that game and that wasn't much to write home about. But um, <laughs> yeah, those donuts are great. Now, I'm not getting paid for any sort of promotion or anything, but they're, those gluten-free donuts, I'm pretty sure you can get them from local markets and stuff i've seen them at the Helensvale markets at the bundle farmers markets um they are beautiful m- donuts and gluten-free as well so perfectly safe for a lot of people that struggle with the the gluten t- intolerance um, yeah
1: i'm just a taste man and they usually fill up the the fridge with a, a couple of quiet beers on the last game as well which is nice
0: oh that's that's nice of them I, yeah it brings me back to memory of when i first started going to Suns games and that was in the first year or two i was fortunate enough thanks to my parents to get a um a corporate membership and uh they really spoiled us in that first couple of years like we had prawns we had oysters all on the uh the bain marie and that was all included in the ticket price still had to buy the beers and stuff but um oh it was definitely well worth it um yeah so that brings us on what was your favorite Suns win then
1: uh, I was having a good, good thing about this. Obviously, uh, there hasn't been a lot of winners over the last couple of years, but so every time they do win, it feels pretty good. But I think, for me, uh, the Round 18 game in 2018 over Sydney, down at the SCG, that's that's one that's always stuck out to me as a, a team that was uh, on the road, had a lot of losses on the run, young team, but managed to find something, and it was... I think I loved it just because it was made purely on work ethic. It wasn't the most beautiful win. It was gritty. It was tough. It was contested. Um, that will that will always stick out for me as one of my favourite wins. I think.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. It was a really good one. Yeah. Um, I
1: don't know why I've got a I've got a draw. So it wasn't a win, but it was a draw against West Coast in 2015 at Metricon. You might remember it when Tommy Lynch kicked that goal with a few seconds left.
0: Yeah, yeah, I remember I, that uh, one, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I love it because, <laughs> because of the aftermath, because Tommy not only kicked it and the feeling that went around the stadium, but also he thought he won the game, which was just the, the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life, that he thought he'd won the game for the Suns, but it actually just drew level. So um, that was just a, a maths mishap by Tommy, so um, that, was always, that always gave me a good laugh.
0: Yeah, Tom Lynch seems to have provided a lot of those. I feel like watching those uh, media conferences when he was up here for the Suns. He he had a, a dumbfounded look on his face quite a few times, but ultimately he he ended up uh, doing quite well and you know put spread a positive message for the club when he was here. I don't really want to talk too bad about players that have left the club, but you know we're we're happy that he was here. For for, and what he gave for the club when he was here. Yeah. Um, so him and,
1: uh, him and Steve May made a uh, interesting combination because uh, Tommy, as you said, he, um, he wasn't the most eloquent of speakers, even though he had good intentions. So thank God, Stevie May was there as co-captain because uh, Stevie spoke really well.
0: He he was, and he was very passionate, Stevie. Um, so that brings us to what's your favourite Suns player? It can be a current player or a past player.
1: I've got uh, I've got uh, two I've got one current player and then a special mention. Yeah, so, sounds uh,
0: good.
1: My my favourites Alex Sexton. Um, a, a bit about about background and also um, how he plays the game. But as a back as a background uh, as a young journalist in Brisbane, um, we grew up in the same area and uh, in, up at in Logan and I covered uh, the Springwood Suns where he used to play as a really young fella as a young teenager and covered him a lot as an underage when he was getting selected. For,
0: your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air.
1: Queensland and I remember the hair he had back then and just watching him through his whole progression up to the suns and um, really loved the way he he worked so hard from becoming a person who was on the interchange bench with the jersey to to becoming a real prominent um, player for for the Suns has um, been really special to watch for me and I, I love the way he goes about his footy. He's exciting to watch. He he works hard and he's hard to match up on. So he's uh, he's my favourite, I reckon. And uh, I've got to give a special mention to to Josh Corbett. I don't know. if... I think a lot of fans might know more more about Josh than uh, a lot of the media do because uh, if he ever gets around those fans' events, uh, you'll hear him and you'll see him. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of uh, meeting him yourself, but uh, a terrific fella. who um, he, he's just a guy you'd love to sit in a room with and have a beer with. I remember the first time I um, I met him, so he had... Um, Who was it? Chris Burgess, Josh Corbett and Sam Collins arrived as the mature age draftees. And uh, we went to the headquarters at Carrara to have a chat to them about football. Um, It was their first media appearance. got to the club uh, upstairs to the top where the players were mingling. He said, uh, one of the media guys said, all right, I'll go get Josh for you. Sat down there and uh, Josh Josh was actually about to have lunch. And 99% of players would say the media can wait. I'll uh, I'll have finished my lunch and then I'll then I'll go talk to him. Here comes Josh walking down the hallway and he comes into the room, plonks a the biggest plate of food I have ever seen anyone try to consume. Buys <laughs> himself with a massive smile, and then the first thing he does is offer me some of his food on his plate. Um, And it was just, uh, it was a hilarious moment, mate. And um, it was something that was always stuck with me and it's a reflection of his character.
0: Yeah, I I get that vibe from Josh. I haven't met him in person, but watching the club videos and seeing him speak, he comes across as that laughable larrikin larrikin bloke that you you just love to, to catch up with and have a chat. All right. Yeah, definitely. He's a good one. All right, well, let's jump into the match review. We're almost halfway through the episode. So once again, we've got to probably rush this section and then we'll get into some more stuff. Okay, so the Gold Coast Suns defeated Sydney 13 goals, 14, 92 to 9 goals, 660. It was a 32-point margin. Rankin, Weller and Day kicked two goals apiece as our leading goal scorers. Um let's start off with some criticisms they I thought they struggled with contested marking and it sort of flowed on to no one that is taking contested marks in our forward 50 whereas Sydney it was really highlighted how they were taking a lot of contested marks in their forward 50 especially early it sort of gave me a bit of concern I've had some concern for a couple of weeks regarding our forward line I feel like Sam Day and Ben King Should be doing a bit more uh, they just, They're just they just not getting the ball Enough to impact On the scoreboard um, That could be contributed to Our midfield which I said last week um, But I think this week again It was inaccuracy in front of goal I think that really hurt us Because we probably should have beat Sydney By quite a bit more And um, they were probably a bit more efficient than what they should have been as well. What, it, what are your takes, Tom?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Um, in, terms of the, in terms of the marking, I think um, there was definitely uh, problems with converting uh, inside 50 chances. Uh, we gave ourselves enough looks and really kept sitting in the game for, for longer periods than we really should have. So um, luckily we were able to sneak away from them, but it really could have cost us um, in the back end there. So... Um, i, I don 't have a massive issue with it going forward. I think against Melbourne it was a lot of it came down to uh, midfield use. Um, we weren 't really getting a lot of clean ball in there, so I think largely the the weekend was probably one that highlighted it for me, but I think i 'm not too concerned about it going forward.
0: Mm. You mentioned the midfield and that probably is a great segue into the positives. Swallow Miller and Greenwood were so good in that midfield, winning the clearances. They really imposed themselves in that middle. And Took Miller especially, he stands out. He really stands out now with Greenwood there. And he's using the ball quite well.
1: Yeah, he's, he's definitely improved his skills. That's been real noticeable uh, this year. So uh, no doubt he's worked incredibly hard on that. Um, and I think Greenwood's... The, the actual presence of Greenwood has allowed him to um, have a bit more composure on the ball because I think Greenwood's doing a lot of that grunt work, doing the heavy tackles and getting it out to the space to the likes of smaller and Miller uh, for those clearances. So I feel like he's just got that extra half a second to, to make sum up what's in front of him and uh, make a decision and then actually execute.
0: Mm. Uh, another point the We didn't concede any 50 metre penalties this week Which was great Because that was something that was pulling my hair out In the last few weeks I feel like mm. we gave up 8 in the last 2 games Prior to this one And uh, it really hurt us a lot With a lot of them resulting in, in goals um, The other stat I found really interesting Was we had 31 shots from 53 inside 50s Now if you compare that to Brisbane Uh, who beat the Giants on the weekend, they had 23 shots from 56 inside 50s. So the Suns are getting enough of the ball into the forward line, Um, not as much as Brisbane, but they're certainly making it count a lot more. So we are finding ways to to score from it once it goes inside.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that highlights more of Brisbane's, uh, weakness more than anything. I mean, they're, they're a terrific side, but that's one area of the game that, whether it's a big, tall, imposing forward um, to go alongside Hipwood, or um, I think that'll just alleviate what, you know, Charlie, um, Cameron, and, and the likes are, are being able to do. I think there's too much pressure on the small forwards to do a lot of the, the, uh, the heavy lifting there.
0: Mm. And the other stat which goes along with that is we had 10 individual goal kickers, which is quite impressive. I think the league average is about 6. Uh, so 10 individual goal kickers. The, the higher-ranked teams, all in the, the top 8, are the ones that have multiple goal kickers every week. Um, so I think I heard a stat from David King on one of the Fox shows that uh, averaging 7 or more... Um, individual goal kickers every week uh, is what the top four sides are doing. So if the Suns can continue to do this, we are going to give ourselves every opportunity to play finals for the first time this year.
1: Yeah, I like it. I like it, mate. Bring it.
0: Alright. Now time for one of our favourite segments, Incredible Ridiculous. This is incredible! So I had trouble thinking of what was going to be the incredible moment this week. I could put it down to any one of um, the the great goals. Lukosha's had a, a super boot kick goal. Um, Sam Day kicked a brilliant snap from the boundary line. But I've decided we'll go once again with Rankin. And this time, we're going to go ranking Rankin. So, which goal was Rankin's best goal?
1: Um... I think uh, I think the one off the deck. Surely the soccer. The soccer. Just just because of the cheeky factor about it.
0: Yeah, you've got a point. The I did really like the second goal, the way he he marshaled for that space, and the the Suns players were aware of that, uh, able yeah. to work with him. So that shows a lot of maturity compared to what we saw last week. I think last week's goals might have been better, but. They're certainly not far off this week.
1: Yeah, it's almost like uh, the soccer goal was was a gift that he uh, he just bounced on, and the the wits one from the tap down was uh, was more teamwork. But the ones the ones a week before were were almost just independent, were they? They were just individual efforts. that were just stunning.
0: They were last week. I didn't feel like we looked dangerous going forward unless the ball was near Rankin. Uh, he was the only player in our forward half last week that looked dangerous. Uh, this week we had more more influence in that forward line, so I think that certainly helped. Maybe made Rankin look a bit less flashy, but he's he's going to be putting bums on seats. I know that's one reason why I'm going to the Thursday night game this week is I have to see this kid play live. Yeah,
1: he's, uh,
0: a, he's going to be good
1: to watch, Frank.
0: He he absolutely is. Now time for ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This is- so. I had trouble trying to pick one of these But I'm actually going to attack the, the player from the other side Luke Parker I felt like pu- pushing over the second game player in Rankin And giving him abuse because he attempted a uh, He was late to a, a marking contest attempting to spoil I feel like that's a, a bit extreme From a senior experienced player It certainly didn't look very good for him do you, do you feel the same way about that, Tom? Um,
1: I'm actually the opposite, and I feel bad now. <laughs> um, oh, okay. But if I was in Luke Parker's shoes, I, I've got this young whippersnapper who's just put his fist into my face, and um, I wouldn't be letting him uh, go off and uh, be attempting it again, uh, let alone on me for a second time. So I've got no problem with him putting him down. Um, he was lucky he didn't give away. Did he give away a free doing it?
0: No, no. he didn't. And
1: then... Uh, and then Isaac was still giving him a lip on the ground, so I actually didn't mind that. I think that's just a bit of an, an experienced player putting um, putting this young guy in his place.
0: Well, that that yeah, I, I see your point. So it probably falls back on me because I didn't think the 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 contest was that bad. I felt like Rankin had every chance to to get to that ball. Um, I don't certainly don't think he was looking at Parker, looking to take him out. He he had his eye on the ball most of the time. And yeah. it looked it to good, me... It was a good intention. Yeah, it was. So it's it's the hard one, It, but that's what I've gone with this week. It just shows I had trouble finding something that really annoyed me from this game.
1: <laughs> Which is a good thing.
0: It is. All right, so now we're on to top three. The top three players for this game i'm giving one vote to rankin 16 disposals two goals two behinds and 28 pressure acts and eight score involvements michael whiting pointed this out last week that rankin's pressure acts and score involvements was off the charts for a small forward in his first game and that was probably the most exciting thing about his debut um this is again off the charts 28 pressure acts that's our, our best player Hugh Greenwood had thirty-one pressure acts, so that just sort of shows just how much pressure Isaac Raikin does. It's not just all the flashy stuff; it's the hard work, the in and under, the the pressure, and the chase to to the to his opponents.
1: Yeah, it's, it's exactly what the coach would be after, isn't it? And they and they alluded to that that um, before he even made his debut, how how good he was as a pressure forward. So. Um,
0: That's a lethal combination. Mm. So two votes I've gone for Tuke Miller, 20 disposals, 15 pressure acts, but 75% efficiency and six clearances. So he was certainly one of our better ball users on the day. And he stood out to me in the the centre clearances. Like he looked like he had space, he'd get the ball and size up a, a teammate and hit them on the chest. I was really impressed with his game. And then three votes, I've gone to Hugh Greenwood, uh, 23 disposals, 12 tackles, 31 pressure acts, nine clearances. He set the tone in that midfield and everyone else just followed.
1: Mm. I feel like Greenwood's lifted since leaving uh, Adelaide. I don't know if, it's, if he's got a point to prove or what it is, the opportunity is loving it, but he's found another gear, hasn't he?
0: He has, but I think he's found another gear since Raul went down. Since Rale went yeah. down, Greenwood has stood up, and I think it was the game before that where they, the Adelaide game where Mark Sciuto had a dig at Greenwood about disposals. Since the Geelong game, Greenwood started getting up there as our leading possession getter as well. I don't think he's terribly effective with the football. I think his efficiency might have been around that 55 60%. But still, uh, the pressure and the clearances, he does the hard work.
1: Yeah, and he takes territory with the ball.
0: He does. Okay, time for play of the game.
1: Play of the game.
0: So, again, could have gone with something like one of Rankin's kicks or Lukosia's super boots, Day's snap from the boundary, but I've gone with a team effort goal. And this was in halfway through the second quarter. Anderson took a mark. Had a long kick from the wing to the hot spot 25 metres out. Sam Day, instead of trying to take the mark, he knocks it down right in front of him where Sexton's run front and centre. And Sexton's just able to run past at full tilt uh, and kick an easy goal. That was yeah, that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, like Sexton's one of your favourite players. It would have been really good to see him get one on the board like that.
1: Yeah, and and I um uh, like I couldn't go past days. I mean, I not you put him, but um for Sam Days as a big key forward, he was he was snapping it around the around the uh the body in, in the pocket. Uh, it was it was an amazing goal.
0: It, it was it was a really special goal. He he did the hard work and then followed up and was able to snap it from from that angle. Um, I just felt like I was going to go with. The team effort Uh, I felt like the team effort Is what got us over the line Against Sydney Uh, But yeah Day's goal was just as fantastic as well All right. well that finishes up Our match report Now there's a couple of things I want to discuss with you Before we finish up Tom Now the first is uh, I guess a topic that you've discussed On the Heat Room With Sean Tobin today And an article you penned Uh, I think it was yesterday it came out, about Peter Wright being used for trade bait. Um, Now, Stuart Jew's come out and said, no, uh, Peter's a required player. But you said in the heat room we were getting very 50-50 responses. Um, You know, some fans wanting to trade him out, some wanting to keep him. Do you feel like the trade bait scenario is... A case of it's either in the player's favour or the club's favour, and fans are just taking a side on that. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I think I think fans just have an emotional connection to both club and player in, in different scenarios. So um, I, I've been actually surprised because usually you see them, you know, ninety percent one way, but it's been very fifty-fifty, hasn't it? I mean, there's a lot of people are very split on uh, where Peter Wright. Will, uh, will head or uh, where they think he, he actually should head. So um, I, I think that's really interesting just to, to get a bit of an insight into how they feel about him.
0: Yeah, well, Peter Wright and Will Brody were both high draft picks and I guess a lot of fans might be disappointed that they haven't come on as well as we would have liked for a high draft pick. But... I mean they're both still doing the job They just haven't come on as well as some of the other players around them And they've sort of fallen back in the pecking order Now a strong football club needs those sort of players To come in and play a role when injuries strike And the Suns just happen to be very lucky at the moment As the next topic is we have no injuries And I don't remember when the Suns have ever had this long of a stretch Without serious injuries but blokes like Wright and Brody will get their chance. It just depends whether they're prepared to hang around for it. As you mentioned on the, the show, that you know Peter might not want to go somewhere when the Suns are about to be on the verge of finals. He might want to yeah. stay with that success. And we've seen that happen before in the past. I mean, Peter's also best mates with um, Tuke Miller. He's grown up with Tuke Miller and he probably... Might not want to leave because Tuke is around. He'd rather stay with his mate.
1: Yeah, it's it's um it's gonna kind of be interesting to wonder watch because um yeah, Pete did come with that connection to Tuk, but I think he'll feel a connection to um, just about everyone there at the club now. Whereas Took was probably his vehicle into that into those relationships. Um, but both him and Will are in interesting scenarios. Both have incredible talent and could do well at other clubs, but. Um, you said it perfectly, teams need competition for spots. It's a big reason why players are in form at the moment because uh, the Suns in the past have not only had injuries, but if the competition for spots aren't there and the depth of quality isn't there and players are getting a walk-up start that potentially shouldn't have been or or didn't deserve a chance, then it doesn't breed the best culture and it doesn't bring the best out of the player. So... Um, I think both are massive contributors into how the Suns are playing at the moment, um, and I think the Suns will be really eager to keep them. But um, at the same time, it's got to be agreeable for both parties. And whether or not Wright will uh, seek a trade and um, look for greener pastures, none of us truly know. Um, but Pete, but in my mind, I wouldn't be letting him uh, letting him go, considering he's contracted for another two years.
0: Yeah, he should be sticking around. You'd think so. The club has all the power in this case, so we'll just have to wait and see. But then again, if uh, if the right deal comes along, I, the club is obliged to, to look into it uh, for the for the sake of the football club. Um, so it's not always just about the player, and we'll just have to wait and see where the club values Peter Wright and if anyone values him more. Mm, so, you're exactly right. Um, okay so before we finish up we've only got a couple of minutes so let's make this quick looking ahead to the Bulldogs game uh, it's only going to be what, we're 48 hours away to you and I are probably both going to be at Metricon Stadium watching this game so it's kind of surreal what's the matchup you're looking forward to most on this game? Uh,
1: I think you uh, said it perfectly in the rundown mate everyone wants to see this uh, this English young uh, fellow come through he's a um, interesting young interesting ruckman with a, a lot of talent so i'd love to see wits with all experience come up against him and see how they both
0: fare. yeah yeah i agree with that wits is one of the better ruckman in the competition uh but i do i i do worry because i feel like english might have the better of him around the ground um, it might just be me, but watching the telecast of Wits lately, he looks very slow around the ground, as you would being that tall. But um, we'll just have to wait and see whether Wits can uh, teach the young pup a lesson. Um, do we tag Bont? Do we send Took or Greenwood to him? Um,
1: I'd, I wouldn't i would start with one. Um, I think Greenwood's got enough physical presence to match up on him and play his game. Um, I think he can stay close enough to to, um, lay some pretty heavy tackles on him that can cause some physical uh, hurt. Um, If he does get off the leash, I'd consider chucking a two on him because I don't think he'd want to pull Greenwood out of the engine room um, because I think that'd take away from the Suns' game. Um, So, yeah, two could be my other option if he gets off the leash and, and even a Nick Holman coming back into that space.
0: Yeah, yeah, good choice hot there. Holman, I, I didn't think of that. And there's a chance that Sean Lemons might return. He could also play that sort of niggling role if we needed him to. Um, all right, so a couple of guesses. Who do you think will be the leading goal kicker for the Suns in this game?
1: Ooh. Aha. Do we go for a small or do we go for a tall? Um ooh, I'm gonna go Ben King. I'm gonna I'm gonna say he kicks three and one.
0: Okay, and best on ground?
1: Best on ground will be our boy Tuke Miller. He'll be consistent, you'll do the grunt work, and you'll get him over the line.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, let's hope the Suns get over the line then. And uh, we hope to have you on the show again sometime soon. Thanks, Tom. Go, Suns.
1: Thanks for having me, mate, everyone.
0: If you've been a renter,
1: you know it's stressful to find the perfect place.